0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the world's most dangerous podcast, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am the professor, Jeremy Velmer, and joining us now, the namesake of the show, Bobby Blaze.
1: Hey, what's happening, man? We got a big week planned today on today's podcast with the NWA, baby. I'll let you introduce that, but I want to let you know, I actually had a couple of title shots at the NWA title. That said, Jeremy, I just love what we've been doing. hope all the fans love what we've done on this podcast Uh, We've had our top tens, man. We've we've got some neat stuff lined up for next season. This season, we've got you know we we've done the pre NWA champions last week. If you haven't listened to it, folks, go back and listen to it because this is a history lesson put on by the professor. This week we're doing NWA. I'm excited for this week, man. It's it's just good to be back. That's the thing. Good to be back when you air, folks. You know
0: what's nice about the NWA title is that it's recent enough that there is a good history on it because some of that pre NWA stuff is a little little nebulous, a little hard to track, you know,
1: yeah, but you did you did your homework, man, and um, you know, I appreciate that very much because you sent me some good links and some good let you know there, professor um, mm-hmm. I appreciate the work you've been putting into these uh we've been doing some things a new way and and the professor has been sending me some notes, and we've been uh corresponding a lot more and I hope that uh that comes through on a podcast, and we please feel free to you know fact check anything. And, and let us know, you know, hey, you, you know, missed the champion here, or why don't you include this champion? Because that might be something we talk about in future episodes. So, uh, you know, do that for us. Uh, we, we do it for the fans, and, we, we, you know, we want to hear back from you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Bobby, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us on Twitter?
1: Okay, yeah, Twitter. You can find Jeremy there, at the Geek of Cast. You can find me at BobbyBlaze744, or you can look at the joint account on Twitter, and it's at Bell, to Bell Blaze. That's the best way to get a hold of us on Twitter. We know there's a Facebook page out there that Professor has out there. We've, we've heard about, well, I think we've heard from someone on that one, actually. Uh, but the best way to get a hold of me is on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744.
0: That's right. And so You see, Rodney, we're talking about you again, so congratulations, just, just so we yeah. get that out of the way, and I don't have to have any more character assassination against me on Facebook. We'll just take care of that now.
1: <laughs> hey, Rodney, we're the adults over here. <clears throat> I'm not on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Give you a shout-out, man, but hit me up on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744, folks. Hit the Gigacast up at the Gigacast, <clears throat> double word there. <laughs> or the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast on Twitter. That's where you'll get me. Jeremy, last week you talked about an Instagram page. There is an Instagram page, Bell mm-hmm. to Bell Blaze. I logged on. I logged out, I stayed about 10, 15 minutes, panic set in, man, I couldn't do it. I I logged in on my account that I used to have, and it's been, uh, I still had like 1,200 followers, which I'm thankful for, but I'm not posting anything right now, except for on Twitter. And I did find some old pictures, I think you saw a couple of them, a couple of memes and stuff I'll be sending you, but Mm -hmm. I can't do Instagram, my panic set in, I was seeing things like, I can only look at this woman so many times, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, these Instagram models. And uh, a couple other things that Jeremy and myself talked about off there, I just can't do it, man. And I I don't know how you worded it, but you said at least you found your uh – and you said something that made sense though. I think uh,
0: I, I think I said like at least you know what what sets your triggers off or
1: Yeah, my triggers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I saw a couple of pictures. It wasn't anything bad guys. It was just some action shots of of people I know like, "Oh, don't do that. Don't do oh, that scares me." And just my anxiety. So it's trigger points. Yeah. So I just logged back off and deleted it back off my uh, apps, you know. That's just me, folks, but if you're out there on social media, have fun with it. You know, like I said, just find a geekish cast, find Jeremy at the Geek of Cast, find me at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, or the join account at uh, Bell to Bell Blaze, and uh, I'll deal with my own trigger points. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well and on top of that, people, if if you've got something to say to us and you don't want to do it on Twitter, uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash belt blaze and there is a spot there where you can leave us a voice message. And what's nice about that is if you have something worthwhile to share and we want to put it in the show, I can port it in real directly, and we can uh, comment on it from there.
1: I think that'd be so cool. I think so. Anchor, do that. Go to it. An Anchor.fm slash Bell to Bell Blaze. It'd be cool to hear from someone. Uh, we hear from people all the time, just direct message, whatever, and that's fine. But uh, also, like I said, use that anchor, man. Um, you know, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And this week, I think Stitcher was purchased by, uh, who was it, XM? Uh, Serious XM, uh, who- yeah. Serious XM. So, you know, if you're out there listening on Stitcher, um, you can get the podcast there and, and, and welcome aboard. Same thing as Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you get the finest podcast because you know this is one of the finer podcasts out there about professional wrestling, and we do have fun with it. Absolutely. Um, which I'm going to ask you a question, Jeremy, and I have an answer for it. I just kind of – it came up on Twitter, actually, and I kind of saved it for today because I didn't want to type out everything, and I knew my character was limited. Uh, what do people want on a podcast, you know? Um yeah. We kind of talked about that. We did. Um, you got anything special to say? Because I, I know you sent it to me, so it'd be drawn to my attention. Who sent that to us so we could so we can kind of maybe answer that? It?
0: Well, it, was, it wasn't was sent to us, but it was Ricky Morton asked the question okay. on his Twitter. And, you know, I saw it. And, I, you know, of course, you know, we have a wrestling podcast. So, of course, I'm interested in it. And a couple people answered back because I wrote, you know, this is relevant to my interests or some horseshit answer. So, um, I think for us, where... Where we have focused is on the history of pro wrestling more than anything else.
1: We try to remember and honor the names of the podcast, Um, the greats of yesteryear, if you will. We try to keep them names alive, and that's what Jeremy and I have done since day one. We've tried to keep some uh, names, Uh, the guys that out there that you know set the tone for what we see today. That is out there on those two lane blacktop roads way back when uh jeremy and myself we we feel obligated at times and it's our duty to keep as many of these names active as we can we kind of started that we that was one of our goals and the other was not to really shit on anyone and we really haven't done that either we could bash a lot of people or say this say that, but we we don't we have fun with the podcast and like i said we we try to honor the names uh from the past and we teach a little bit of a history lesson with it and we hope you enjoy that and we know also. It's not necessarily what we want on the podcast. It's what the fans want. So there again, you can hit us up on, on our Twitter accounts or, or at theanchor.fm slash bell bell and let us know what you might want to hear from us. We do have the next couple episodes planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we try to do a weekly little lesson, if you will. Jeremy, look up some different stuff and send it to me. I'll look up some stuff, send it to him. Then we collaborate with it, kind of like we do our top tens. And yes, we do have some top tens coming in season five, folks, that you're really going to appreciate, believe me. But um, yeah, on those, we just kind of like, well, do we want to mention this? We're talking about history here. Like today of the NWA, we talk about why these particular people are on this particular list. You know, we have to eliminate other people. And if you don't agree with it, that's fine. That's what we like to hear back from you guys. Again, just kind of keeping the respect for the business and, and the names from the past out there. Um, and we are aware of things that go on, you know, every day. Uh you know, in society, we're not trying to, you know, neglect that at all. We just rather talk about it. It's a fun and interesting podcast that talks about professional wrestling, uh, you know, in the past. It, it, and sometimes we bring up stuff in the present, but we mostly yeah. try to keep these guys' names alive out there. Uh, we're going to talk about some great ones today, as a matter of fact, with, concerning the NWA title.
0: Yeah. So, well, you know, well, let's go ahead and start getting ready to jump right in. Today's episode are the five most consequential <laughs> NWA World Champions. And notice that the f- emphasis here is most consequential. These aren't our favorites. These aren't the best. These aren't the worst. These are the ones we feel impacted the NWA and the NWA title the most. Now, of course, we're only picking five, and there are 97 recognized title reigns on the National Wrestling Alliance's World Heavyweight Championship. So we are only choosing uh, about 6% of the people that have held the mm-hmm. title to
1: talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And the NWA, the World's Heavyweight title, um, that was formed on July the 18th, 1948. So as of a couple of days ago, by the time you hear this podcast, it's going to be 72 years ago Seventy-two years ago, that in Waterloo, Iowa, in the United States. The founders were Pinky George, Orville Brown, Al Haft, Harry Light, Sam Munchik, and Don Owen, and uh, Tony Stetcher um, that we talked about bringing this NWA, to, uh, bringing it up to... From 1948 all the way through is what the professor and I will be speaking about today, and I'll let you take back over from there, Professor. So,
0: yeah, the NWA was founded because by this point the original world title had fragmented into God knows how many titles. I mean, I tried to count them one time, and I think I came up with 18 that were split off, put back together, or, or just formed between the original world title in 1905 and the foundation of the NWA in 1948. There have been, what, five or six Five or six. Five or six predominant designs for this belt. They have the first one, which they call the Lou Fez belt, which is smaller plates held together by chains, and the front plate looks a lot like the Japanese Triple Crown uh, Championship did. There's a star wrestling ring, the, the words World Champion on it. Nice-looking belt, but the belts were much smaller back then than we would get used to seeing not too much longer after that. The next belt used use from 1959 to 1973, it's the Crown belt. Had a big crown, a globe, and tall letters NWA behind two guys wrestling. Um, This one you can actually still find a number of pictures online of, so you can find that one and look at it. But that brings us to the 1973 belt, which a lot of people call the dome dome globe, the ten pounds of gold. Um, Other people call it the Harley race belt. Mm. That was in use from 73 to 86, and then 94 till today. Unless something has changed since we went gone on the air. Right. Um, in that period from 86 to 94, of course, is the big gold belt uh, that Ric yeah. Flair is so known for holding. And then for a period in the 90s, uh, Dan Severn had a custom belt that looked a lot like the old crown belt that he carried. Yeah. The inaugural champion was Orville Brown, who I believe was one of the MWA, that's M as in Mary... Uh, MWA champions, that they selected him to be the world champion as they formed the NWA. But shortly after uh, that happened, he was in a horrible car wreck that ended his career. Your friend Chris Candido is the youngest man to have held that championship.
1: Yes, and I had a match against him right in my hometown. I had two matches against Dan Severn while he was the NWA champion, Uh one in Charlotte, North Carolina, one in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, of course, growing up and being a wrestling fan and once into the business, of course, the NWA title, as I've told to or alluded to many times in this podcast, that was, to me, the real world champion. So when I had a chance to wrestle Chris Candido in my hometown for the NWA title, um, it was a real, real thrill to do. I mean, it was just, it was an honor. Let me say that. And then the same thing with Severn, both title, you know, putting a title on the line for me. Uh, those just stick out my career because it meant so much. And you know, it's not like it is today. If it, I'm not trying to put anything down about today's product and this, and that. I'm just saying I think even today, if you're selected to be the champion or you've worked yourself into that position, it's, it's, a, it's a true honor. You have to carry that on your back. You wear that strap, and you you know you're doing what you can do. Same thing if you're a challenger for that belt. You you have to make that match as good. And I know Candido and I toured down in my hometown because I worked with him so many times, man. Um, and, of course, uh, Severin, I knew it was going to be a fight. We had a gentleman's agreement. Uh, both matches were really, really good matches. Um, I'm proud of both of them looking back now after it being 25 years ago. But I took those... Um, opportunities to wrestle for the NWA title. Not that I took any other match lightly. I took great pride in being a contender and then also being a challenger for the NWA World Heavyweight title because I knew, as we're going to find out even more so today, and I know our fan base knows this, how prestigious that title is, Jeremy. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: It is, yeah, it is a very prestigious title. Um, We will get through some of the ups and downs as we go. And obviously, you know, we're trying to stay to 45 minutes to an hour, so, a lot of this is going to be through the 30,000-foot model, so yeah. <clears throat> we are going to miss some highs and lows, but feel free to chime in. Again, you can hit us on Twitter, or you can go leave a voice message for us on Anchor.fm. Uh, Shane Douglas has the shortest title reign. Now, the reason I do like to bring that one up is because it is through that that the ECW title actually is a real-world title, and not just some like, oh, hey, we made it up. Because he literally yeah. took the lineage of the NWA title, put it onto his East Coast Championship Wrestling, and then turned that into a world title. Yeah. Um, and the oldest champion was Tim Storm.
1: Who yes, won when the you turned me on too. Yeah, yeah,
0: who won the won the title at the age of 51. You know, I like Tim Storm quite a bit. I wish I had known who he was when he was in his 30s so I could see what he really could do.
1: Um, and, you know, they started at NWA programming, and they started, of course, we're going to get to some of that as we go on the program. But when I got to see him wrestling stuff, man, I don't care if he was 48, 49, 50. Of course, we went at 51 there, like you said. It's impressive to see someone that dedicated to the wrestling business and, and, and going at hard and being in that kind of shape, man. It's incredible, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I have a lot of respect for that guy. Plus, I think he's a school teacher yes, uh, during is. the day sometimes and, and works with special needs kids and, and uh, education for all. I, I really like that guy a lot too. You turned me on to him a couple years ago. Him and someone else is going to come up on the list, and I'll just kind of leave it at that for now because I know you have a lot to say later on about yeah. it. To me, that's incredible, man. I I really respect that guy a lot. I wish him much continued success in and out of the ring. I really do. Absolutely. Um, With that said, Jeremy, do you want to jump into a couple honorable mentions? Because I know you have one and I have one.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Let me talk about Anchor FM real quick and then we'll we'll do honorable mentions. All right, Bobby. So let's go ahead and hit those honorable mentions.
1: You go first, man.
0: All right. So for me, I think one of the most important people who we didn't put on this list is going to be the Nature Boy. Buddy Rogers.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: I know somebody somebody's butthole just puckered when they heard Nature Boy, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, Buddy Rogers and Lou Fez had a feud back and forth for a long time over the NWA title. Uh to the point that one time when Buddy Rogers lost to Lou Fez, that's when Toots Mond and Vince McMahon Sr. Pulled the WWF out of the NWA and named Buddy Rogers the first WWF World Champion.
1: Okay, and we're going to be studying that here in the next couple of weeks too. Mm-hmm. We are going to be bringing up the WWF slash E title uh, a little bit further down the line, but yeah, Buddy Rogers, what? What a great champion, right?
0: Yeah, great champion, great look. Um,
1: oh, he had, yeah, great look.
0: And what I didn't know is that they actually named him Buddy Rogers because of the Buck Rogers comic strip.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. it, was still such a, yeah
0: it was still such a famous comic strip that they're like, okay, we'll just go with something that sounds like this.
1: Okay, good deal, good yeah. deal. Okay, well, if you folks know me at all, you know who I would have put on my list cause if, if this were favorite uh, NWA world champions. That's none other than Terry Funk. Terry Funk beat uh, Jack Briscoe in 1975 in Miami when Dory uh, f- uh, failed to appear for a title shot. Uh, Terry, my man, he had it for 14 months as the reigning and the reigning champion defending the title uh, worldwide. Um, he's just my favorite man. He's just you know the uh, the wild Texas bronco and. Uh, I was just a fan at that time, uh, really coming into fanhood is why I should say in 75, you know, I was 12 going on 13 uh-huh. and uh, started getting just getting really into the magazines a whole lot more. And and uh, I was a newspaper carrier. So uh, <clears throat> uh, we had a newsstand that was on my route and uh, they had the rest of the magazines and it was always great to to be able to, you know, I, I was like, "Who is? This? I got to see this guy wrestle, you know? But anyway, everyone knows who Terry Funk is. He would have he would have been on my list if it was favorite. Some of the things I wrote down here, of course, if you don't know who Terry Funk is, you're probably listening to the wrong program. But he's been in Paradise Alley, Roadhouse, Over the Top, a bunch of other movies. I loved seeing him on Quantum Leap one time. That was really funny, he, uh, just the TV show back in the 80s. Um, he was on some other stuff because so everyone knows he's been in the Hall of Fame uh, with his brother since 2009. That's the WWE one. Of course, he's been in several other ones. I'm sure about every Texas Hall of Fame there is every national Hall of Fame uh, he's retired so many times and kept coming back. And, you know, he's just a great guy. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, that's in my book, pin me, pay me. I'll plug it later, Jeremy, just okay. so know, we know because we are moving around on time here, but, Um, for you people that do like to read, and I appreciate if you do buy buy my book, Pin Me, Pay Me, but here's the thing. I tell the whole story about meeting Terry in Knoxville, uh, how he talked about, put over Professor Boris Malenko for speaking and being out there and talking to the fans. He put him over as someone that really influenced the way he talked and spoke, doing promos. Um, I'm going to give you a book plug, though. Right now, that's why I'm not going to plug mine. Um, Terry Funk's got a book out. It came out in 2013. It's called More Than Hardcore. Here's you a chance to get that book and maybe give the program a little bit of kickback. If you haven't read Terry Funk's book, um, I advise that you do it because it's really a good history of wrestling. Uh, even the NWA title we're talking about now uh, with his brother and with his father or brother, Dory Jr. and his father, Dory. But it's at tinyurl.com slash bbfunk. Again, it's a 2013 book by Terry Funk. It's called More Than Just Hardcore. It's at tinyurl.com dot com slash BB And the program will go a little bit of kickback out if anyone decides to buy that book. And also let us know if you do purchase it using our tiny URL, because the professor here has put out a little idea. And I'm, I have mentioned it a couple of times and I really like it because both of us, both of us are avid readers. Um, and we might start a little book club where uh, we come on once a month and, and do a little five or 10 minute uh, segment about uh, a previous book. We've read wrestling right or not. And so uh, that's just an idea, and you might get to hear our feedback on on some of the books, good, bad, and indifferent or whatever. But if you do want a good book, um, and I appreciate that idea, Professor. I mm-hmm. really do. Thank you. Um, and I'm glad you're an avid reader like myself. I think that's something that brought us together early on as our friendship, because you interviewed me for the Geekish Cast concerning some professional wrestling. Then you also uh, contacted me again. And said, "Bob, would you like to do um, about book promotions?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, some marketing stuff. At that time, and it's, I, was, I was really getting caught up on the, the Twitter and, and doing some really good marketing ideas with with one of my books. And so we kind of come together through books. Yeah. But again. Go to terryralcom bbfunk and get Terry Funk's book, and I'll quit plugging Terry. But as you can see, uh, Professor chose uh, uh, Buddy Rogers, and I chose Terry Funk. So you can see it's not a not necessarily our favorite, but we got the five most. What did you say? Consequential. Consequential. Um, can't read my writing. My computer's too far away right now. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we're well, going in. have got a special mention coming up.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we've got, oh, I was going to say, you know, we've got 97 people. Well, I guess 98 yeah. if you count the next guy here, actually. Oh,
1: yeah. Who is this next guy? <laughs> well, here? the next
0: guy is vacated. He's a nine-time NWA world champion on top of an uncountable number of other titles. Um. <laughs> A nine-time NWA champion. I haven't heard of this guy. Yeah. Vacated. Well, I've never seen him work. Oh, well, see, if you want, you can go check him out on Twitter. He's at I am vacated. But oh, um, shit, are you kidding me? No, 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 he's he's right there on Twitter.
1: A real guy. He, Let me yeah. pull this up. Hold on. I am at, I, wait a minute. Vacated. Vacate, I am at vacated. And he no, follows no, no. me. Oh, shit. The most decorated professional wrestler of all time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, he's you know got he's got as many title reigns as well. Okay, so Ric Flair, I have seen a bunch of different numbers over the last week while I've been researching this. Right, right, I, yeah, yeah. I believe the official count is ten NWA title reigns. Well, vacated. Here's a nine time champion, and okay. that puts him in in striking range of Ric Flair. But <laughs> you know, this guy has been everywhere, right. has done everything, and I I don't remember ever seeing him. Well, he
1: obviously. Always- went over every time he worked yeah <laughs> right <laughs> i <It> must have <laughs> so um, <then> <laughs> yeah
0: uh, and you know the amazing thing is all nine of those championship reigns were after the wcw left the nwa oh is that
1: right yeah okay yeah
0: okay well and then yeah. the other one i got to give a shout out to is orville brown the first sure. recognized nwa champion but of course a car accident cut his uh cut his title range short, but he was yeah. a previous champion. I guess he promoted in the Midwest, and he was the MWA world champion.
1: Yeah, uh, and we we mm-hmm. actually had, uh, originally, if you remember, we, we replaced him on our list. He was going to be on our list just because he was the first one, and we decided to just put him kind of a, as a special mention versus an uh, honorable mention or versus being on the list. So, right, right. Uh, but it's important that we, we, we point that out. Uh, about Orville Brown, so yeah,
0: absolutely. And then the one I wanted to get in here, just because
1: it is a topic that I like to reflect on from yeah. time to time, is Carrie Von Erich. Okay, yeah, I saw that in your notes. I wasn't quite sure. I know in uh, May 24th, 1984, the Memorial Parade of Champions, he won the title off Ric Flair, correct?
0: Yep. Yes, he did. And that's
1: all I kind of had there because I knew that was your your baby there, and I was going to let you take care of that.
0: Well, and, you know, the main thing there was, and we don't know how true the rumors are, but apparently they had been grooming David Von Erich for a title reign. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Fritz Fritz was the president of the NWA for some period of time in the 70s, so we know he had some and contacts. But after David's sudden passing, they put Kerry in position. And they did this knowing that Kerry wasn't super reliable. But to honor David and the Von Erich family, they went ahead and gave him a short title run. So okay. I always think that's worth reflecting on just
1: because of that. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's good to bring him up. Um, the... Uh... Trying to think here. Is there anything else we we're, before we get down here to the belts? I think we've covered everything up to where we're on schedule, correct? If you'd like to uh, help with the show a little bit, show get a little bit of kickback, I have a couple books out there. If you haven't heard by now, I have Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel, and I also have a second book called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. So here's a way you can help the show get a little bit of kickback and it won't cost you a cent extra or anything like that. If you like to get pin me, pay me, have booth will travel, just go to tinyur- tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 that take you right to the link. Uh, you can purchase a book there, and the show gets a little kickback. I get a smile on my face when I sell a book. Jeremy gets a little smile when he gets his uh, Amazon account uh, to help pay, you know, for advertising or whatever this program, which we don't have a lot coming in, so that's why we want you to try to help us through going through our links. Um, the second book, um, I kicked, uh, Education of Wrestler. The Education of Wrestler, I kicked that on too, is at um, tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. It's just that simple, folks. And, uh, again, we appreciate it. And it's not a lot that the show gets, but every, every little cent counts. And we're not trying to get rich off this show, obviously. But we do like to, uh, if we do get anything from this, uh, whether it be through book sales or through Anchor or through your po- uh, sponsoring the podcast, if you're a sponsor looking to sponsor a podcast, anything like that, uh, we appreciate it very much because we're going to put that money right back in advertising because we want to get the word out about the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast because we do think we have something special. And so there's my little cheap book plug. Um, just get those over to Amazon or, again, com slash blazebook1 for pin me, pay me or com slash blazebook2 for um, I've kicked out on 2D Educational Wrestler. That's, Thank you. Had to get that, that in there before we started. I know it's going to get serious real quick. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, you know what else I wanted to point out? If if this is legit, Terry Funk is on Twitter now, too.
1: Um, I found out it wasn't. It's to not. Okay. My, to the <laughs> best of my knowledge, I followed it immediately. I popped big time. And I appreciate you tagging me because I think about fifth, after I was on there for about 30 minutes – um, I had followed a couple accounts before, but I had been on there about 30 minutes following. And I was like, holy crap, this is who's following. I looked and it was like, a, a JR, for example, was following. I thought, this is the real deal, okay? After about 30 minutes, I realized it wasn't. A couple people started saying it's not him's name. And then you tweeted me like, at Bobby Blaze. And I was like, oh. And so within about 15 minutes after I realized it was work, that someone was just doing a a, a fake account. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, I, I wanted to make sure. So I didn't say anything back to you, and I double-checked. And as far as I know, whoever has that account is is doing a very good job on it, but it is not Terry Funk, to the best of my knowledge. I'm not discouraging people from following it. Um, it is at Terry Funk, the best I can tell. I really thought it was him, but a bunch of other people said it is not. Um, you use your own judgment, but I do appreciate you giving a heads up Uh, And I I think it is. Is it not at Terry Funk? And it's supposed to be really him, but I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: that's that's the way they're doing it. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate if if it's not. Um, But, you know, the guy seems to be doing an okay job doing it. It just looks like a bunch of Terry Funk tribute stuff.
1: Right. I'm not trying to bury the guy because I don't know who he is. If you're out there doing it, I, I really, I thought originally, I thought it really was Terry Funk. Again, I'm not saying don't follow or do follow it. I still follow it, I think. But um and I think the person is doing a pretty good job at it, unlike you know some other accounts that claim to be this person, that person, whatever. Um uh, there are some funny ones out there that say we are a parody of this account, you know. Uh, but the Terry Funk one is supposed to be him. I'm just not sure it is. But they are at least doing it in a good and honorable way.
0: Yeah. So, that uh, they're that's doing it yeah, they're doing that. Okay, so we got our book plugs. We've we've exposed a fake Terry Funk. Um, let's get back to the NWA title. I want to talk real quick about some titles that split off of the NWA's world championship. Okay. Um, obviously the AWA, which we covered the WWWF with Buddy Rogers, which we covered the WCW title merged with its own WCW international world title, which was the replacement for the NWA title when, uh, WCW left when they merged those two together. So, meaning the the WCW title also uh, shared lineage to the NWA title, the ECW title, and yeah, if I'm, you mentioned, mm-hmm, and if I'm not mistaken, the TNA title and thereby Impact's World title also shares lineage with the NWA World Championship. Wow! So, really, most of your major American World Championships are from the NWA title in some ripsaw fashion or another. Yeah. All
1: right. So we ready for our top five, Bobby? I know you've got a lot to say about this guy. I just want to say this right now. You turned me on to him a couple of years ago. Tremendous physique, tremendous performer, tremendous mic work, man. I'll announce him and you go from there, okay? You got it's it. Mr. Nick Aldis coming in at number five, folks.
0: Yeah, Nick Aldis, the dealer. Uh, you know. So Nick Aldis <clears throat> has been world champion twice now. He's been over the last two years. And over those two years, you've really seen an improvement, especially in his mic skills. I mean, he, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, during the time the NWA was producing uh, YouTube shows, he went from a tweener to a true heel champ and his mic work visibly improved each week, every week. Mm-hmm. You could see him getting better. Um, the important thing here about Nick Aldis is, and I don't know if you remember this, Bobby, well, one of our first shows that we recorded. I claim to be a three-time NWA World Champion because nobody knew who the fuck the World Champion was. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the last time the NWA title before that had been defended was at a car show in Vegas or some shit. A lot, a lot has changed since then. (laughs) Yes, it has. And so now, the reason I say Nick Aldis is going to or is the number five most consequential NWA World Champion is, I think that title lives or dies with Nick Aldis now. It's fate yeah. is tied yeah, to him. Like, yeah. It's fate is tied to him. If he shits the bed, that's going to be it for the NWA. So, I yeah, mean, but, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I was just going to say, you put on there, they went, the NWA has went from punchline to headline. We used to laugh about it, you know, a little bit. Um, yep. Like you said, you had that NWA title there at your house, and you're like, I'm the NWA three-time champion and stuff. To now, it's like a whole different whole different ball game, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's one of those things where, like you said, it's, it, he's going to make or break And right now. Uh, prior to this corona uh, virus breaking out and, and, and NWA not being able to taping and, and some other issues that's coming up, the main thing is right now they're still keeping that title active. It's still out there. still on the YouTube as far as I know to Facebook, too, I'm sure. Yep. But, um, yeah, he's the face of the NWA right now. So he has to be on this list uh, because he's keeping it current, man. And his mic skills, like you said, just verbally, you know, visibly become – uh, more and more visible each week as he's on there doing his promos and talking and calling out people. His matches are excellent, man. I I, I haven't seen him had a bad match. I got to see him wrestle once live. Uh, FTC brought him in. I, I got back to Professor. I wasn't trying to bury anyone or anything. I thought, oh, I don't know, man. It was They drew a big house with him over there. I think he wrestled the uh, Shane uh, Strickland guy or Stickland. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, uh, I think he's working for Developmental now. They had a good solid match, you know, for just the the five six hundred people that had there in the building, but I really didn't, you know, get a, get to see them. It's uh, kind of in the middle of the run. The NWA had started on the um, the uh, the YouTube and the stuff on tv or whatever to are programming but man this guy's like you said man they're they're building off his back now the way it's built off a couple other people that we're going to bring up on this list right now he's the foundation and he's the back that they're carrying and, and carrying that title one or around his waist in this instance you know strap yeah. He's got it man
0: absolutely he's also married to mickey james so you know way, way to go nick all right
1: there you go. Yeah. yeah. Golf clap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Good deal. Let's go to number four. Do you want me to introduce him?
1: Yeah.
0: Yes, please. Dory Funk Jr.
1: All right, man. Got a Funk in here after all. Yep. Uh, he had the second longest title, NWA World Heavyweight title run, uh, other than behind only Lou held it longer. Uh, Dory, or Jr., as he's known as, had it uh, for four years. Uh, he won it back in uh, uh, February 11th, 1969 from Gene Knisky. Uh The funny, I want to tell you something real quick here, real funny about it. Uh, he lost it to Harley Race on Kansas City in, in May 24th, 1973. So he had it like four and a half years. Uh, Dory used to have a, um, of course, you know he's the brother of Terry Funk and only two brothers to ever hold the NWA world title. Um Dory used to have a, a page, uh, uh, gunslinger.com or something. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, of course, he's got the Funkin' Dojo and, and a trainer, a great trainer, and of course, was a great champion. I've got a couple of stories about Dory Funk Jr. One, when he had that gunslinger.com, uh, he was telling a story. He, he wrote his own stories. So I'm going to tell you a couple personal stories. But what cracked me up was, of course, him and Terry would go to Japan quite a bit. And back in the day, I guess Dory, he he told himself, so I'm not speaking out of school here. I guess he wore a hairpiece, you know. Uh, he he looked older than what he was when he was a champion, you know. But I guess when they'd get on a plane coming back from Japan, T- Terry would go to put something overhead, and he'd, he'd work, dropping a bag on Dory's head, but just enough, you know, a little case or a little carry-on or whatever. Just, of course, this was way before 911. So, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I guess he would drop the bag and and, and and Dory would sell it just a little bit. But what he'd do, you would knock his wig sideways or his toupee, you know, his piece, his rug, whatever. And Dory would no sell that. He would sell the bump just enough for Terry to put the bag over. Then Terry would go to his seat. And then people would be looking and Dory would be sitting there <laughs> home, right, home the whole flight home in band with the toupee, you know, or the rug uh, sitting sideways and all the boys would get a big, they'd get a big kick out. Just one of funny, he told all these funny stories uh about going to dinner with Andre, him and Terry trying to pick up the tab and stuff. But anyway, he had some really he's a really talented writer that I enjoyed uh in the uh, infancy of the internet of someone I had something out there. He'd done Japanese lessons about speaking Japanese and stuff. I thought it was really cool. But uh I got to meet like I said I got to meet uh Terry in Knoxville, Tennessee when I was in Smoky Mountain. But I also got to meet Dory Funk, Jr. So I thought I'd share the stories here because um I was uh, scheduled to uh Wrestle Ekpok, one, two, three kids, Sean Walkman. It was a big show down in Marietta, Georgia. It was a uh, co promoted show. It's a Smoky Mountain wrestling show, but it's like an Armstrong family reunion uh, down in Marietta, Georgia. It's a bunch of WWF guys at the time was going to be on a show. Like I said, it was a mixed show promoted as such, and and there was a bunch of talent on that show. While I got there, uh, of course, I'm about eight hours outside of Atlanta. Of course i used to stay in knoxville a lot so like a four-hour drive but i always got there early i like getting there to the ring i used to like running the stairs of buildings doing a lot of calisthenics and stuff you know wrestling stuff man that i used to be able to do yeah um <clears throat> and i always like getting in the ring and stretching out really good um and i always worked out hildebrand we'd do like a hundred and some squats or something together just fun stuff because i was young and and, and loved prof- so one day i i got to marietta georgia I get the rings there. I get up in the ring and I start tre- stretching. And um, uh, Mark Curtis, the referee, comes up and he starts stretching with me. We were talking. He goes, Bobby, look over there. You know who that is? And I look and I see this guy standing over there in a cowboy hat, long hair coming out of that cowboy hat. And I looked and I was like, I told, I'm told, i getting chills telling you a story. Um, I looked and I said, no, no. And and Brian, I'm getting chills. Brian just looked at me and goes, yeah. I go, you're kidding me. He goes, no, I, we didn't say a name, okay? Mm-hmm. He already, like I said, he already knew he's going to be there. I didn't know. I just, I said, no. He said, yeah. I got up out of the ring and I ran over to him across the gym floor, and I I said, hello, Bobby Blaze. He went, I'm Dory Funk Jr. And I said, yes, sir. I know, <laughs> yes, sir, champ. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I'm getting chills. That's when I met <clears throat> Dory Funk Jr. for the first time in person for real. Now, back when I was training, before he had the Funkin' uh, uh, Dojo, we went to George Steinbrenner's, uh, one of his hotels in Ocala, Florida, that, um, that Malenko took all his students up to because Dory didn't have any students at the time or anything, and they ran a uh, a, a show at a big hotel uh, for a bunch of horse traders and horse uh, horse sales and stuff. It was a big ado, it was a big ball and this and that. So I, I briefly met Terry or excuse me Dory there, but just from a distance, like oh this is our students hey, here's the world champion, Malenko, put him over, you know, we're we're here for them. And that was that. But, man, to actually first meet him at first time, Marietta, Georgia, wow, man. I was like, this is, you know, I've met an NWA champion right here. This, You know, we so kind to me, too. I heard good things about you, Bobby, blah, 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 very professional. And then after that, of course, I worked that night and we talked again. And after that, he comes to Knoxville several times and I, I got to speak to him every time he came there, man. And uh, what an honor. And I've met just about every – the ones i wanted to meet, <clears throat> I've met a shitload of NWA uh, title uh, champions, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And to meet Dory Funk Jr., and he's on our list here, um, I just want to let you know, man, it was an honor to meet um, – uh, Dory Funk Jr. And that's kinda, I, we'll kind of get ready to move on to the next one here. But um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed my story about meeting Dory Funk Jr. And what a great NWA heavyweight champion he was. Um, he went on and, and and dropped it. He was supposed to drop it back to Jack Briscoe. Uh, but I think, I'm not sure how this was, a uh, work or not. I kind of put that question mark. I don't think he really wanted to drop it to Jack uh, from what I, just from what I know. And please feel free to fact check me on it. And, uh, but there's some controversy there, but he ended up going back to uh, uh, dropping it to Harley Race in Kansas City. Uh, but, again, he had it for four and a half years, and that's, um, that's Dory Funk Jr. coming at number four. Also, as you put, creator of the Texas Cloverleaf. There yes, you go. That that's spinning toehold, of course.
0: Yeah. So. That's, you know, I, I wish I'd made more notes as I was going because as we were researching a bunch of these guys, I'm like, oh, that's where that move came from. Oh, that's where that move came. You know, you could actually start seeing yeah. where these moves were innovated. Um, all right. So that's Dory Funk Jr., uh, who is the second longest reigning NWA yep. World Champion. We'll go on to number three, which is the greatest wrestler on God's green, on God's green earth.
1: There you go. Mr. Harley Race.
0: That's right. A man so tough that that is his real name. That was the <laughs> only name they could think of for him as a baby. A man so tough that he slapped the shit out of polio as a kid. There you go. He came back from the dead in a car wreck. He was actually, so, I mean, I I don't want to make too much light of this because his, his wife was killed in this car accident. He was declared dead as well. Yep. And he came back from that. A man so fucking tough that Hanser had to wait till he was an old man before it could kill him.
1: (laughs) That's right, man. Yeah. Um, and we done a top 10 on, uh, well, we done a memorial of Harley Race when he did pass away. You can find that on um, YouTube at com slash BBVB video. He come in number three uh, on our – Toughest Men's List. I think it was number three. You can find that, but we done. There's a whole segment on Harley Race on YouTube. If you go and find it, it's on uh, most legitimate tough guys. I think Jeremy. Yeah, I think that's right. Most legitimate tough guys. We go into detail about uh, Harley Race and how much respect we had for Harley Race. I got to meet him several times. The first being back in the late '90s, and then again just a few years ago before his passing but uh we did that there's a youtube we got old podcasts which are available on anchor.fm slash bell to bell blaze but on youtube at tidyreal.com slash bbb video there's a really neat video that our good friend tex johnson put up there tex we hope you're doing good uh shout out to you down in the boiler room man hang tough but uh we did a really good special on harley race and then tex put some real good footage to that um there's some uh the most legitimate tough guys, I think. And everyone that knows Harley or heard of Harley or uh, had anything to do with Harley, they can tell you straight up he's one of the toughest guys that ever met in her life, man. Um, and we have nothing but respect for Harley. Um, Absolutely. I know you're going to talk about some of the credibility from the old school of the, uh, you said the was Abisco's, trained him and tell him about some of the feuds, Jeremy. We I, we can't talk enough good about Harley right No, I'll tell
0: you, you that. really can't. Yeah. So what I found, and I, I'd want to look into this a little bit further. But it said Stanislaw and Vladek uh, Zabisco were two of his trainers. I don't know at what point. Um, now, Bobby, this is one I wanted to talk to you about because they have him listed as an eight-time NWA world champion. But what I found was a one-time WWA champion and a seven-time, time NWA champion. So I don't know if I missed something or if they just, if they just roll that WWA title into the NWA reigns. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah.
0: Uh Harley Race um, was like a, a legit tough guy, and that's why you could send him out. And he traveled. He was like an old school, like 1930s, 1940s type wrestler still working in the 70s, you know. He yeah. Traveled yeah. everywhere. Uh He had a guy double cross him one time and then grabbed the belt, flee the ring. Harley followed him back to the dressing room, <laughs> wrapped his ass up, pulled him back out, beat the shit out of him, pinned him, and took the title back.
1: Yeah. You don't want to double cross him. No,
0: no, you do not. <laughs> um, yeah. He had, he feuded with a who's who of every important wrestler. Absolutely. Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Dick the Bruiser, The Crusher, Junkyard Dog, Jim Duggan, Sting, Cactus Jack, Ron Simmons. And that's just scratching the surface.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, if, um, I'll plug something else on YouTube. It's not on our channel, but it's out there. If you ever get a chance, uh, there's a Harley Race highlight video um, from Memphis from way back when he fought Jerry Lawler. And I'm telling you what, the way they put that together, if you got a chance, I don't have it in front of me right now. Go look that up, man. You just talk about bumps and punches and selling and working. Oh, my goodness, man. And it, it, it's just an incredible match. But they put it uh, behind a music. Uh, uh, he's a man or something. It's a Spencer Davis group, I think. I'm drawing just just – off the top of my head, just telling you. Uh, there's a lot of good Harley stuff out there on YouTube if you look for it, but um, you won't go wrong finding one of his matches. Because the way – when I saw him for the first time, I think he was getting close to 60, and he'd done an interview. It's was up in Cleveland, Ohio. He'd done an interview in the ring and did a little mousy manager uh, got mouthy with them from outside the ring. while What is promoting the interview? Of course was part of the show folks. Um, and so he got close enough that as he's wrapping up his interview, which Harley come out there, you know, uh, talking about, you know, just, you know, wrestling everywhere on God's green earth, you know, just uh-huh. great, still great promo of course, but he grabbed the guy by the necktie and pulled him into the ring. And I want to tell you what, like I said, a guy's—he's getting ready to be close to sixty, if I if I remember the year correctly. Um, and he picked him up for a suplex, and Harley just gave this kid, uh, again, he was a manager. He's probably about a buck seventy-five, buck fifty, buck seventy-five. Not overly huge, but I mean, this young guy, but you know, working his gimmick. Harley picked him up into this suplex, and he just gave it so picture perfect. It was probably, and there was there was a lot of guys on that show. It was, it was a ten-year anniversary show up at Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. It was probably the bump of the night. He just took care of them, but the way he took them up inside that, that vertical souffle, you know, and took them over. And the way Harley took his own bump as he's landing with them, you know, it was just so beautiful, man. Uh, and I know all of our listeners have seen tons and tons of Harley race matches. We just can't, I can't say enough about the guy. Um, just the way he punches and the way he would sell stuff when he when he did a pile driver, that flying headbutt. Um, oh my goodness, just heard a story not too long ago by uh we mentioned this guy last week on the program, um uh Ron Fuller, uh, the Tennessee stud. He talked about being outside on the table and um Harley uh uh for a world title uh challenge match. I don't know if there's a Knoxville or Birmingham, where it was at, but Harley had him on the table and Harley done the outside the ring. Onto the table, flying headbutt, went through the table. I mean, they're just incredible. What a champion. And he fought, talk about how tough he was. He fought night after night mm-hmm. after night, man, defending that title everywhere. So I don't know. I know we're going on. We just can't say enough about him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yeah, we'll just, you will just say that. I know he, we got a couple more to Yeah. Add. He just added some real tough guy credibility to the yeah. championship, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think this next guy said he was a last true world heavyweight champion. If I'm not mistaken.
0: And, and coming from this guy, that's, Saying yeah.
1: something, yeah. Uh, I'll introduce so you him. you alluded to a oh. Nature Boy earlier. Go ahead, introduce him.
0: All right, number two <laughs> is going to be Nature Boy, Ric Flair. A man you have a little experience with.
1: Woo! That's right, baby. Yeah, uh, man, you know, he was, he was ranked by multiple peers and journalists as the greatest professional wrestler of all time, man. He would have been my number one on here, as you know. Mm-hmm. But, again, this isn't favorites. And that's the way we've done it. And I just tell you that I just think he's the greatest world headweight champion of all time, but he's number two on this list. And we'll get to number one. Here's why, but yeah, I've met the nature boy. <clears throat> now I'll share a couple of brief story about the Nature because again, it's like Harley race. There's not enough good things you can say about the nature boy. That's for damn sure. But, um, I met the nature boy the first time. Of course I'm a big fan growing up, but, um, <clears throat> I was, uh, going to, um, huntington West Virginia, i finished up a territory. The very first territory I worked was up in Canada. Come home, was heading back down to Florida, but I stopped by my parents' house in Kentucky, blah, blah, blah. Was staying here a couple of weeks before I headed back. WWF at the time was in town. A couple of my buddies, I'd seen them doing TV, and they said, hey, man, just go up here, ask for JJ, tell them who you trained by, tell them who you're working with up in the Maritimes, and, and they might put you on a show. If nothing else, you, might, you won't probably get a tryout, you probably won't get a dark match, but they use you for TV, and it pays pretty good. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So, I, of course, that goes with the Roddy Piper story. Yeah. And if you haven't heard that, I put that in my second book, um, you know, The Education Wrestler. I kicked out on two, talking about me and Piper, and I spit in his face. But here's what led up to that was Piper walked by and said, Hey, kid, who you working? I had the bleach blonde hair. I had a tan. I think Texas since put the match up on YouTube with me and Piper. Go look it up. But anyway, bottom line, I go in the bathroom because that's where Piper talked to me at. He said, Stay right here. I got an idea. I'm trusting at this point. Next thing you know, here comes the nature boy, Ric Flair. And he introduced himself. I'm like, you don't have to tell me who you are, champ. But, yes, sir, I uh, said, you know, I'm, I'm Bobby Smedley. I said, I wrestle with Bobby and I'm Bobby Smedley. Nice to meet you, sir. And he said, you know, Piper had this idea. Piper ran the idea by him. And he said, Well, all right, do it, kid. And I did my worst, probably ever, uh, impression of Nathan <laughs> Boy Rick Flair. But I tried. And he said, That's pretty good, kid, but you're no Ric Flair. And we all had a laugh. And then he he said, And if you if you could see me now being animated about this, uh, he said, and remember this, he said, That's pretty good, but you know Ric Flair. And he said, Remember this, kid. And I'm looking at him, and he put his finger up to his nose and he goes, Always turn your head on that corner bump when you come out flat faced. <laughs> so, you know, everyone knows that flare bump, but he pointed to his nose, looked like it'd been broken more times than mine, mine has now. But, but uh, yeah, it, he just pointed to his nose like this is what happened if you don't turn your head, kid. But anyway, um, i tell you this the whole time I was in WCW, the three years I was there, uh, getting to see Flair a whole lot. I'll just say that. Saw him a lot of times, got to work out at one of his gyms down in Charlotte, just a complete professional. Um, in that three years of no lie other than see him in, in, in wrestling gear or his robe, you know, that type of thing. Every time I saw him, he was dressed impeccable, man. He was dressed immaculate. You know what I'm saying? He, yeah. he had the suits and the diamond ring. We were in Sarasota, Florida. And I tell you that much is one time. And I got to the show actually very early and this might have been the only reason why is because I was meeting one of my former friends from from Tampa was driving down. We was going to have lunch together instead of me and catering. So that's would have been why this happened. I saw Flair, not a suit and tie. He had on gym clothes like he was. He had been to the gym or going to the gym. You know, he had on a big sweatshirt, the, the, the baggy pants that you wore, you know, kind of things. That was the only time, and again, he either was coming from the gym and tanning booth or tanning salons or whatever, or going to one. That was the only time in three years I ever saw the man not dressed perfect or to the nines. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's pretty damn impressive, too. Um, And, of course, if you're ever back in the day, you're out traveling, whatever – um you might see certain people certain uh, don't drink and drive kids just saying you might see the nature boy after a few uh, miller lights out on the side of the road somewhere pissing one night in a <laughs> all you can do is honk and all they can do is wave at you but uh you know you probably ain't seen nothing till you've seen uh, the four horse mountains on the side of the road pissing <laughs> after a show one night <laughs> they're probably doing 100 miles an hour getting to and from the shows but anyway that's just a couple personal stories man uh, everyone knows I'm a Ric Flair fan. Yep. He won his first title September 17th, 1981. He beat Dusty Rhodes for it. Um, uh, Harley Race won a title in uh, '83, but Flair won it back at Starcade, the very first Starcade, a steel cage match of Flair for the gold, uh, which everyone, you know, we we allude to that match all the time on here at first pay per view, if you will. Uh, but anyway, Flair won it back then. Uh, I think he says he's won it like 21 times or something like that, but we have him down as a, what, eight-time World Heavyweight Champion.
0: Well, I've um, got it at eight, but I've also seen where it could be done to 10 for the NWA title.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see it too. I do know this. My good friend from New Zealand named Frank Shanley, he lives down in Louisville, Kentucky now. he became a citizen back in the early 2000s. I got to meet Frank back in the early 90s when I was over in Australia. We used to snail mail each other back in the day, if that tells you anything. We have been friends since the early 90s. Uh, Frank used to come to my house about once a year and spend three or four days with me. I haven't been able to do that lately with Frank. But anyway, uh, he was in 1984. He was at the show in Wellington, New Zealand, where Flair lost to Harley. And uh, I think that was just a called-in thing. They thought it was the best to do, but a very apparently when Harley called in to the office, uh, several people were... None too happy, but Frank was at that show uh, in in Wellington, so there was a controversy there because just one a couple of days later Flair won it back in in uh, in March that same month uh, in Singapore. So anyway, that's just something, just kind of throw it out there. Um, you can fact check all that. I know some people count that as a title reign for Flair or for or a title change, rather, for Flair. Some just uh count it that, that Harley, you know, it just they erased out history, I guess, if you will. Yeah. But if nothing else, if nothing else, let me just finish from then. I'll let Jeremy say everything he wants to say. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it on ESPN. It's called it. In Nature Boy. It's an ESPN film, a 30 for 30 documentary. It's uh, a truth is stranger in life, uh, fiction, life of Ric Flair. Its director is Rory Croft uh, from I Hate Christian Leitner. Any of our Kentucky fans out there, um, yeah, I like the Louisville Cardinals too, and I still cheer for the Big Blue Nation. Uh, Christian Leitner back in 92, man. Duke, you know, everyone knows what that's going on. Jeremy, if you don't know, basically Christian Leitner for uh, Duke hit a. uh, a last-second shot to just Barry Kentucky in NCAA uh, uh, finals there in basketball, but anyway, the same guy, uh, Rory Kraft from the uh, Crump, I think I've said that right, from I Hate Christian Laettner to thirty-one thirty, but anyway, it bears the soul of someone who millions of fans think they know, and that's the Nature Boy. Woo! It's an ESPN film, 30 for 30 documentary. If you get a chance, go and watch that, and I'll shut up about the Nature Boy, and we can move on.
0: All right. Yeah, I mean, look, Ric Flair is one of the greats. Um, You know, when he switched to the WWF and took the big gold belt, I think it probably did more damage to WCW than they estimated. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Uh, you know, it always hurt my heart a little bit to see a horseman in the WWF for some reason. Whether we're talking Arn or Tully or Flair,
1: I know, man. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um. But
0: yeah, I mean, Ric Flair's just—he's a great. Uh, you know, again, he was—he was still that old school. Uh, you know, you could send him anywhere in the world, and if somebody tried to double cross him, if somebody tried to give him the old Stanislaus Bisco, he fucking took it out of their ass. You know? yeah. And, yeah, you know
1: Harley went with him for his first tour of Japan too when he was defending the title. I think Harley went as a bodyguard or a second to the ring just so no one would double cross the Nature Boy. Yeah, uh, that's a known fact. So, but yeah,
0: he was he, he was kind of that you know towards the end there of a uh, you know those those tough guy champions. Okay, before I get to the next one, I, I just want to say something real quick because I saw this name come up on a couple of our guests, our top fives. I want to talk about Dusty Rhodes. Absolutely. Dusty Rhodes, great champion, great wrestler, great speaker, great everything. Dusty Rhodes did not need a championship. Dusty Rhodes was always kind of like there to lend credibility to the title. He never really did anything that was world-changing or anything with the world title. It's the only reason he's not on here. Otherwise, Dusty would be on all of our
1: fucking lists. I mean, you know, period. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of them guys again we've got a, a special tribute to. There's like ten reasons we love Dusty Rhodes. It's on an old again, you can find it on anchor.com, just look back in our archives. Also, you can look on uh Facebook and see our tribute and get some of the reasons why we love Dusty Rhodes. Like you said, some of these guys will be on our list over and over. And if you're new to the show, uh sometimes we gotta change things up because, you know, otherwise, like you said, a guy like Dusty would be on every list that we have probably mm-hmm. so uh anyway i'm gonna bring out the next gentleman uh i did have a couple of dms about this and i appreciate him very much Oh, oh wait, we can, alluded can, to him. Can, can i can, oh, inter- sorry, can i
0: can I, I introduce yes, him okay okay yes. N- number one hands of stone ron garvin what the fuck no nah, nah, just just fucking with you it's um minute. it's the greatest of all time lou fez
1: all right, man. You threw me for a loop. I thought you was back in free or rule. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm following your notes here. No, uh, I had a couple of DMS about Ronnie. Gar- no, um, no, I did. We did our pre NWA and we took it up to 1948 because it was pre, um, And then we did mention Luthez on that, and we said we'll be talking about or speaking about him in the near future on one of our podcasts, meaning this one. Uh, Because, again, this is the name. It's a great, great, you know, uh, name of professional wrestling that can make make so many of our lists, of course. But I had a couple of DMs, and they said – more Luthez. Why are you talk about Luthez more? And I, I just wrote him back very kindly. Uh, stay tuned. You know, I want trying to be short with. I said stay tuned because we kind of alluded to it at the end of, of the last you know uh, uh, program episode. We would be talking more about Luthez and and uh, his contributions as the NWA you know world heavyweight champion. So he got that title way way back when. I I know he's a 22 time champion. Jeremy can and technically he was the second NWA champion because of the Orville Brown. Then i yes. guess when he vacated it go back to mr at i am vacated i don't know where at cats at but i'm just saying actually
0: uh, it went straight from yeah, orville it went straight from okay. orville brown to luthes there was no transitional to or into professor's interior. history
1: here because he has marked me up this so i'm gonna let jeremy here talk about this quite a bit because he um I, he put a lot of these titles together jeremy and i i'll you, you being a professor that you are, just kind of tell us, fill us in like you've told me before off the air and, and some of your notes here, how this all trans, transpired for Luthez to become the second kind of technically, technically, but really the first kind of NWA world heavyweight champion.
0: Well, so Luthez is actually the last person you could really call the undisputed world champion. Yes. Because, you know, there were always things like Edouard Carpentier, where they were going to do the two champions, and blah, blah, blah. There were always things like that after Luthez did what he did. So Luthez became the first, or the youngest, AWA world champion at the age of 21. But not the AWA you're thinking of. It was a completely different thing back then. Um When he took over the NWA world championship... I believe he had already held the National Wrestling Association World Heavyweight Championship. But as world champion, he went around and ate up like the Los Angeles world title, the Mm -hmm. New York Athletic Commission title, the other NWA world title, um, I believe another WWA world title. He really consolidated like somewhere in the range of five to ten world championships into the one world title, the NWA title, which briefly under his reign was really the only world title. Hmm. So that, so look, I mean, we've all heard the name. I remember like, you know, you'd watch like an NWA title match back in the day and you hear them say, you know, Hackenschmidt, Gotch, Fez, yep, and they, you know, they'd absolutely. list all these names. So we knew the names, but with Fez, I never really understood what a big fucking deal this guy was.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And uh, like you said, he's technically a second NWA world champion, but is considered to be the first uh, true world champion because of all those titles. He did consolidate around the world, those belts that made it unified. I, just he was a champion. Like you said, I know he, he fought several, I mean, the battles, the matches, the, you heard the name, like you said, Hackensmith and Gotch, and then Thez. And, and really, this is our, our the closest probably we got to hearing a lot of those names when we was talking about last week, hearing some of those names on TV was younger. Yeah. This is the one that actually probably transpired forward because we did get to see actual a lot of footage available of Luthez. Yes. Uh, I know he's got that book, Hooker. I read it, I can't find it, I'm I'm on a look when the weather cools off, I got an idea where it might be, and I'm going to go over there and try to find it I know it might be in a box, and if I ever find it, I'll let you folks know, because it was autographed a friend of mine sent it to me um, had it sent to me from Luthez it was a hooker, um, and it it had two Bobby on it, had Luthez and like I said, a guy that used to manage some had that sent to me, Um, I just I'm missing several things I know about where they're at just from moves and things like that things that happen in your life, you know, Oh yeah. but I hope I do do find that, because if I do, I'll take a damn picture and I'll send it, to, I'll put it out there on Twitter or whatever. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, Luthez, man, I, Jeremy, you're you're the professor, man. You, you The way you put this list together, uh, the, the research you've done, I appreciate it very much. Uh, if we talked about one guy more than anyone else, it's just because we probably got excited, you know, yep. uh, uh, wasn't because of lack of homework or anything like that on behalf of the professor. I want to kind of wrap things up and just say, man, thank you very kindly. Uh, we've done pre-NWA champions, and this was the, of course, the NWA World Heavyweight Champions. Next week, we do have some, we do have some possible interviews lined up. So, card subject to change, or in this case, podcast subject to change. But uh, we have a possibility of a couple uh, interviews we think our fans will really enjoy a lot. One being a performer, one being a, an author. Um, artists, et cetera. I think as far as I know, the next few weeks, we're going to be doing the AWA in the near future. We're going to be doing the WWF slash E in the near future. Um, we probably would do a best of show in there somewhere. We're not going to be taking a month off. Like we previously discussed, we're going to try to stay true to our podcast. We hope to be up every Tuesday morning as expected. So you, you our regular fans can find us, you know, the bell to bell podcast, uh, Jeremy does do the editing, and he does have a life, but I do appreciate him taking the time to, to record this and edit it. So uh, once again, hats off to the professor for the uh, extra effort behind the scenes with notes and 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 helping me and, and uh, me doing my homework to make this show possible. So with that said, I'm going to log off and say fans, wrestling fans, thanks for tuning in to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. Until next week, folks, please, you hear me say this every week, the world's cold. Sometimes you think you walk across that graduation. Uh, hell, so many kids don't get to graduate nowadays their everything going to the world. But instead of a handshake, They ought to just give you a cold boot in the ass and say, welcome to the world, kid, because that's just the way it is sometimes, so it's cold out there, but it's better than a cold boot in the ass when you listen to the Bobby Blaze podcast, I'll tell you that much, so please, whatever you do, take care of each other. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, and Bobby, before we go, I wanted to show you these new folding steel chairs from the Acme. Oh,
1: yeah, you were Acme sent you some chairs, Yeah, yeah,
0: so I'm going to try these out. Is this an
1: advertiser?
0: Well, it's hopefully going to be an advertiser, (laughs) but I (laughs) want to make sure that I like these chairs, so okay, why don't me, you grab one of these, have a seat, yeah, tell me what you sure. think of it.
1: Yeah, okay, let me adjust it here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, not not too bad.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really interested in how they feel. How does that chair feel?
1: Well, I'll say right now, this one, this is actually pretty comfortable. I'm not going to lie, this is pretty comfortable.
0: Okay, well, how does this one feel?
1: Oh shit, you son of a bitch!
0: <laughs> Damn you! All right, You're everybody.
1: <laughs> a coconut, you cocksucker.
0: <laughs> well, for. For myself, Jeremy Vilmer, and for the host of the show, Bobby Blaze, bye-bye, everybody.